A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm David Marsland and this is The Leader. Speeding police motorbikes swept through the streets of Cornwall this morning ahead of US President Joe Biden's arrival for the G7 summit. He's joining leaders from the UK, France, Germany, Italy, Japan and Canada, as well as Charles Michel and Ursula von der Leyen from the European Union. The agenda is undoubtedly packed, but what's on it? The Evening Standard's Mark Blunden spoke to Nick Maybe. He's the chief executive of climate change think tank E3G, an advisor to London Mayor Sadiq Khan and a former advisor to the Blair government. So Nick, what in your view are going to be the major environmental challenges that are going to be on the table in Cornwall over this weekend? So this is one of the most consequential G7 summits I've experienced in, in my long career um, because the COP in Glasgow this year has to really kind of decide how much climate risk we take. This is kind of the last chance to set ambition. And the richest countries in the world, which is the G7, have to take a lead on that if others are going to follow and provide some of the means to deliver those goals. Um, And that's what Carbis Bay has to do in the middle of a global pandemic and one of the most tense geopolitical times we've ever experienced. So huge expectations, um, and they need to act. This is one they can't fudge. Could you expand on that in terms of tangible goals? Yeah, so they've already agreed earlier, a few weeks ago, to kind of commit firmly to a tougher target than they agreed in Paris five years ago. So trying to meet 1.5 degrees rather than well below two, which doesn't sound a lot, but actually just means everything from now on has to be zero carbon. There's no more wiggle room. Um, In specific terms, we now want to see them back that up with a firm commitment to get coal power out of their electricity systems by 2035, 2030 we'd like, but we'd probably get 2035. The Japanese have got to stop funding coal power abroad. Um, It's important. And we hope to see them agree to phase out internal combustion engines, though it's looking like the Americans and the Germans and the Japanese may not go as far as as the UK has on that by saying we want to stop selling internal combustion engines by 2030. And finally, they need to come up with a firm commitments to pay the promised money they promised the developing countries back in Copenhagen in 2010. Um, Because if they don't deliver that promise, all we'll talk about for the next six months is about money, not climate ambition for the rest of the world. Of course, the G7 was cancelled last year due to COVID. How would you describe the post-Trump mood music now? 
Yeah, I think they feel the pressure. Obviously, a lot's happened in four years, particularly China's become a lot more assertive, as has Russia. There's a real feeling that the kind of democracies are under pressure to deliver, particularly because of their bad performance of many of them during the COVID crisis, not least um, the US and the UK, to be honest. So there's a real feeling they've got to step up and show they can cooperate and set the global agenda and set the global rules for particularly for the new economy around um, climate change. That's the glue that's going to hold this together. So things that previously might have been big fights at the summit on trade issues and some kind of minutiae of um, financial regulation um, are now very clearly being played down. So that the big message coming out of the summit, and you see it in all the briefings, is kind of you know, we're cooperating, the democracy is assessing the agenda, we can solve big global problems together, and implicitly putting pressure on particularly China to also step up and show what they're doing on climate change and these other big issues like COVID as part of a kind of global cooperation and kind of bringing back the multilateral system after Trump. And so what realistically would you say is this pressure that can be brought on China? China is very different under Xi than it was under previous leaders. Um, it's not a collective leadership, it's an individual and individuals are also always difficult to read. Basically, there are two aspects of kind of putting the onus on China to act. One is for the West to step up on COVID um, vaccines and money for the poorest countries to kind of deal with the COVID crisis. That's the number one issue on the summit agenda. And the number two issue is to put firm action on climate change, which really turns the spotlight on China and to a lesser extent India and other middle-income countries to say what they're going to do next. Now, China could respond by saying, you're bullying us, or you've got to give more money to developing countries, we're going to defend their interests. So in a way, this is where you know the package of support for the poorest countries and climate package need to come together if the pressure on China is going to result in any chance of China saying, okay, we'll give you a more ambitious climate target, we're going to commit to phase our coal power down. And remember, China is 50% of all the coal power stations on the planet. If China doesn't commit, as it hasn't yet, to phasing down its coal power and not building any more coal power stations, the 1.5 goal and the well below 2 goal we agreed in Paris are completely out of reach. So they are the critical path for a successful Glasgow. And at the moment, they haven't committed to the policies we need them to, to keep ourselves safe. So that is the big dilemma for the net, for, from, from the G7 to Glasgow. And presumably all these issues we're talking about feed into the wider cybersecurity and green infrastructure picture as well. Yeah, this is one of the kind of sleeping giants of climate geopolitics. You can't have a zero carbon world that's also not a very smart world um, because running a renewable energy-based system requires you know, very high levels that all your infrastructure to be deeply digitized, which of course makes it vulnerable. Um, and we're seeing as two big initiatives that there's a after the G7, there'll be an EU US summit where they're going to discuss quite a lot of these issues about cybersecurity, privacy, etc. To essentially form a transatlantic set of rules, because there's been a lot of disputes across the Atlantic on this issue. But they want to have a transatlantic set of rules, which will then set a global set of rules. And it's not just about you know how your Google data is used. It's how do you keep you know pipelines, electric grids electric vehicles safe from the type of hacking we've seen in America on the energy systems just in the last month. So this is really critical. And it also links the other big thing the G7 made us announce, which is a 
agreeing they're going to really up the ability to invest in developing countries like Indonesia or Pakistan or India to help them go clean and green, as they call it. Now, the green is zero carbon, but the clean is about anti-corruption, transparency, and things like cybersecurity. So it's about, again, the, these G7 countries setting a standards for kind of high standard of infrastructure, which includes protecting it uh, from invasive hackers, whether they're state-run or organized crime, as we've seen in the latest attacks. We have lots more G7 coverage from our political team in the Evening Standard newspaper and online at standard.co.uk. Follow the live blog for breaking news. And that's the leader. We're back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.